Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on. Well, we're in the series called Tongues of Angels, and I'm going to welcome you today if it's your first time with us today. Uh, We're just so grateful you're here. My name is Ryan, and my wife and I uh, are the pastors here at the church, and We've been alive for five years, and God's just doing great things in our midst, amen? I just love seeing, uh, you know, different folks in the room who have found Christ at Love City Church, and lives have been restored, and, and uh, you might be here today and not know who the people are around you, but I want you to know we're a changed people. We're a people that did not come to a place of religion. We came to a place of a relationship with the living God, and uh, we're, we're, our mission is to reach as many people as the Lord will allow us for the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? and make disciples. Before I get into the Word today, I just want to encourage you with something, uh, kind of a pastoral encouragement. I want to encourage you, if you're in the house today and you've not made a decision to join one of our groups, to join our groups. Right now, I'd like, um, I hope uh, they're here. I don't know if they are, but if you're in the room and you're a group leader, would you just stand to your feet right now? That's you, Andrew. You're a group leader. Uh, Joel, Joel, let's see you, bud. Come forward. Joel, you back there? What about Yinka? Is Yinka in the room? Okay, I see you. Who else? Bassie? Okay. So I want to encourage you guys. Sunday mornings are our day to gather, to celebrate, to study the word, to develop relationship. But we are not just about having church attenders. We want to make disciples, amen? One of the greatest ways, is you can sit down, you're pregnant. One of the greatest ways, no, just kidding. I thought you were giving up because you're tired. Oh, well. No, I think you're the only one, but that's okay. You have an excuse, Catherine. You're, you, you are, all right. You have the excuse. We believe that our groups, we want to have a group in every community across the city. Our groups are where we make disciples, where we pray for each other, we prophesy of each other. The gifts of the Spirit are an activity, where we have communion, all these things. Come on, I want to encourage you in this next season to consider joining a group. And this is my pastoral mandate for you. You have not experienced what Love City Church has to offer you until you join a group. Coming to church is amazing, and I'm glad you're here. Trust me, I love it when you come into the house of God, but I want you to prayerfully consider. Remember that in the book of Acts, it says they gathered in the temple every day, and they gathered house to house. And so I want to encourage you today. These are some of the best. We, these people have been on a journey with us for five years. We love them. Here's a few groups you can join. Mahogany right now, Yinka and Kanang. They have a lot of room for your group. Uh, we also know that the Mindapore group has tons of room, and we know that the Pauls in Sundance have some room, and the McKinsey Town has no room. <laughs> Do not join their group. Stop joining their group. I know they're great. Anyways, you can sit down. Let's give these guys a hand. And we'll be launching, uh, God willing, two new groups in the fall. Andrew's finding this out now in the name of Jesus. And, and there's two, peop- two groups of people in this room. I'm going to ask you to lead a group, and you don't even know it yet. <laughs> Just kidding. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. All right, let's get into this today. Um, I, am, uh, I come today with um, uh, fear and trembling. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 said, I came to you with fear and trembling, but I didn't come to you with eloquent speech, but with the Spirit's power. And he wasn't talking about miracles. He was talking about the cross. He says, I come preaching the cross, the foolishness of the cross. Today, I come with weighted spirit, weighted heart today, because as I've studied this, I've realized 
How many followers of Jesus are missing out on something that the Lord has for them? And what I want to do is help you understand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a bit of an investigative study today. We're going to look at scripture together. And in this scripture, what we're going to do is we're going to identify a position that we hold as a church. And I believe it's very clear in scripture. And my prayer would be is that you'd open your heart. As I mentioned last week, there's some of you here today who are new to church. And so you're like, Ryan, whatever you're going to share with me today, I'm in. Praise God. Maybe you're here today and say, Ryan, I've gone to a highly conservative environment where we don't believe any of this stuff. I'm kind of coming in nervous. That's okay. Maybe you've been on the other side where you're used to hanging from the chandeliers and you know, speaking all sorts of languages and it doesn't matter who. Like, hi, my name is Ryan. Like, what? You know, you're like, go off in tongues or something. You're like, okay, you're a little weird, you know. So maybe you've been a little bit out of balance in that. We want to bring some balance to you. I love you, but we want to bring some health and balance to you. That's what our heart is. Our heart isn't to be wacko. Our heart isn't to be, uh, you know, uh, not believing in Scripture. Our heart is to believe in the Word of God, but be balanced, healthy church, not a out-of-whack church. And so, you know, the truth is, is that the, what we're going to share today, I don't really understand it fully. Uh, I don't really have all the answers. But what I do know is that it's in Scripture, and so we're going to believe it, amen? We're going to try to understand it. And the truth is, you won't understand everything in Scripture, and that's why many of us disregard it, because we can't understand it. Maybe you don't understand it because the Holy Spirit hasn't given you the revelation of it yet. And maybe it's attached to my faith. Maybe it's attached to my journey. Maybe it's attached to where I'm at in my walk with God. I don't really know. But all I know is that what we're going to talk about today is for you, for every person in this room. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, and it's for your children. So what I want to do today is, uh, we, last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit, he isn't just an uh, energy, an aura. He's a person. He is a personality. He grieves and he feels joy and he's happy and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And as I men- I'll mention this towards the end of our time together, one of the greatest strategies employees of the devil is to get you to not focus on the Holy Spirit. He wants you to not identify the Holy Spirit because he knows the Holy Spirit is the way in which we have revelation in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is the way in which you and I understand Jesus. He reveals Christ to us. And so really the Holy Spirit is our conduit by which we understand the things of God and the devil knows that. And so he wants to keep us focused on everything else. It's okay, you can talk about everything else, but don't you dare know that there's a Holy Spirit. He's a person, he lives in you and he loves you and that he wants a relationship with you and he wants to reveal his word to you and he wants to guide you and speak to you and help you. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so this week what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna present a foundation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit through, by evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, don't run for the exit. Give me a chance before you run for the exit, okay? Just hang out with me, and, and I want you to know I'm not a weird guy, okay? We just believe in Scripture, and, and I'm going to share with you one of the most challenging passages of Scripture to understand, and I believe the Lord's going to give us revelation today. And so let me lay out a different uh, foundation for you. This, I want to share with you four views that are held right now, and there's probably many more, but four I want to focus on, and I'll go through them quickly, and then we'll get into kind of what we believe the Word says. And so actually, this says five, but there's actually only four. And so uh, four views on speaking in tongues. The first one is, is that there's a belief across Christendom that they cease to exist. Now, not all of these environments, but some of these environments, uh, Reformed theologians, most Reformed churches would believe that, that, that the gifts have ceased, there's sensationists 
or a lot of Baptists would believe, not all, but some would believe that the gifts have ceased to exist. And so the canonization of scripture finalized the gifts of the spirit. And so prophetic and tongues and healing and miracles and all of these things were reserved for the apostles of scripture. And we can read and look back on those things as history, but not experience them in our lives today. So that would be a position, I'll be care- I want to just caution you, if you don't believe that's true, which I don't, and you shouldn't, because the scripture says that we believe it, be careful who you're listening to on YouTube and Spotify, because they might hold these views and you don't even realize it. And these value, the, the, we believe that the gifts exist today, don't we? We believe in the prophetic and healing, and we believe that, that, that we can see supernatural things happen in and through us today, Amen. And because of that, be careful who you listen to. You might not realize that you're listening to someone who doesn't believe in the writings of Scripture for today. The second thing we might find is that not every gift is for today. We look at the gifts and say, okay, I can, get, I can be down with the administrative gifts. I can be down with teaching and down with preaching. But man, get away from prophecy. Don't even go near the gift of tongues and interpretation, which we had one of those on Wednesday at our church, on Wednesday night at our prayer. Someone said, I feel like I have a, a tongues and interpretation. I said, all right, let's do this. And this individual, we don't do this on a Sunday. I'll teach that next week why we don't speak in tongues on a Sunday necessarily. But on Wednesday is the believers gathering where we gather as believers, we worship, we pray. Someone said, I have a tongue and interpretation. He said, all right, Lord, here we go. And someone gave up very calmly. And uh, Pastor James felt, he felt this come out of him, this prophetic word share. I don't understand it. I don't get it, but it was a special moment. We felt the presence of God on Wednesday night in this place. Every Wednesday, six to seven, come on out. Plug, 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 plug. So people say, okay, I can, I can be down with the gifts I understand. I can be down with the things in Scripture that make sense to me, that intellectually I can process. But the things I don't get are not for today. Now, the third view that many hold would be this, that, that I'll call with but not in. And I want to be careful here because um, this would actually be a, a, belief, uh, a belief that some of our charismatic denominations hold. Uh, people who would be maybe just like you and I and, the, and believe in the charismatic giftings, but there would be a belief system in several charismatic environments that when you become a follower of Christ, he changes you, but he doesn't abide within you until you speak in tongues. So you actually are not filled with the spirit until you speak in tongues, which would mean if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the spirit, but those who speak in tongues are. Doesn't that create a little bit of a spiritual elitism? There are those in the church who speak in tongues and are obviously, now what I would call that is Gnosticism. Gnosticism would teach that the goal of spirituality is to have more knowledge than the person next to you or to have a higher spiritual encounter with God than the person next to you. The goal is to have a higher spiritual encounter with God, to have a higher level of knowledge in my life. And if I can have more intellectual knowledge and understand more things, I am a superior follower of God. Now, we don't believe in our church that that's the reality. And they would teach that you are not filled with the Spirit. He's with you. He's around you. He can guide you, but he's not in you until you speak in tongues, which we at our church would not believe. Now, here's the fourth view, which the view that we would hold. And everyone say it with me, in and upon. One, one, two, three. In and upon. In and upon. Every believer who confesses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, has the Holy Spirit living within them. Every single person who confesses Jesus Christ sincerely, 
and authentically, and they repent of their sin and turn from their wicked ways and give their life to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit now inhabits you, lives within you, is now guiding you. He is helping you. He is comforting you. He is leading you. He is revealing scripture to you. The the, the, the Holy Spirit living within you happens when you accept Jesus Christ into your life. But the Bible would teach that there is actually another super natural experience called the baptism or the gift of the Holy Spirit and the evidence that you've experienced that baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, I'm gonna show you this in scripture. I'm gonna prove my point in scripture. What we see today is that there are two moments in in uh, salvation, regeneration. We are transformed. We are made new. Now, let me encourage you. Just because you said the prayer in church doesn't mean that the regeneration or the transformation process in your life will continue unless you choose to die every single day and take up your cross and follow Christ. This isn't a microwave following of Christ where I say, ding, I'm a Christian and all is good and I'm all better. No, no, no. You got to keep yielding, keep submitting, keep laying your life down, keep repenting, keep confessing, keep yielding. Ryan, I'm struggling. Just keep yielding, keep repenting, keep confessing, keep in relationship, keep reading your word. You're going to have days where it's terrible to serve God and it's nothing but storms and difficulties and hardship. You say, God, where are you? And the Holy Spirit's going to say, I'm right with you. I'm comforting you, I'm guiding you, I'm leading you, I'm helping you, I'm revealing to you who Christ is, I'm revealing to you your purposes, I'm showing you what life, I'm revealing these things to you in scripture. And so the Holy Spirit is absolutely happening, but I want to show you in scripture how it's proven in scripture how there was a separate account that these believers would have where they would have a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that was that they would speak in tongues. And so let me show you this today. The firstly, let me just prove to you that there is a within, within us. It's okay, guys, you don't have to leave. Don't go for the exit, Catherine, I promised. Just kidding, I love you, girl. I would only do that to Catherine. So if you stand up right now and leave, I won't yell at you. Don't worry. Like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. I won't call you out, don't worry. Okay, firstly, within. Let's, I'm gonna read some scripture today. So just hang on and do a little teaching today, but I believe this is for your benefit and for our church's benefit. Look at this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Paul says it again in 1 Corinthians verse six, chapter six. Don't you realize that your body is, a te- is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? That's pretty plain in scripture, is it not? And was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. You are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. That word dwell, that word lives in the two verses there is the word dwell. That word literally means in the Greek to inhabit, to reside in to permanently make a dwelling place in. You do not have to be continuously uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm gonna prove what I mean by this, but the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's permanently in your life unless you choose to continue to engage in sinful behavior in your life that you are aware of. Despite the conviction of the Holy Spirit, 
You continue to engage, no matter what the Holy Spirit says, you will begin to sense a decrease of partnership with the Holy Spirit. So why don't I hear his voice anymore? Well, I know in my life, I was struggling in my own life in areas. I was struggling to hear God. I was, and he was always faithful to always be there for me. But there were times I felt so dry and disconnected. God, where are you? He says, Ryan, there's an area of sin in your life that I've convicted you about millions of times. And I love you and I have grace for you. But the more you continue in that area that I've convicted you in, my voice becomes less and less aware to you. And so he lives within our lives. He lives within us. This is not just a momentary thing that needs to happen again and again. The Holy Spirit lives permanently within our lives. So if you are a Christian here today, you are filled with the Spirit and he's in you. What are some of the evidences that you have the Holy Spirit living within you? Come on, a renewed mind. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Come on, Ephesians 4. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Your mind is being renewed. Listen, I know that I've spent a lot of years in sin's prison and one of the ways I know the Holy Spirit's renewing my mind is I can't remember my acts of sin. I can't remember. I mean, if I like really begin to think about it, I could sure conjure it up, that's for sure. But I don't think about my history of sin. I've lived so long in sin. I don't think about my history of sin. Why? Because my mind's been renewed. I don't look at people like I used to look at them. I used to, you know, kind of think they were thinking bad about me or judgment. I don't do that anymore because the Holy Spirit has renewed my mind. I don't think like I used to think. We also see that the activity of the Holy Spirit living within us is that we are changed and transformed into new people and how we live our life. What happens when we live God's way? It brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberant about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. When the Holy Spirit is involved in our life, this is what happens. Experience revelation from his word. He renews our mind. He transforms how we live our life. He guides us and speaks to us. These are evidences, the fruits of the spirit, patience, love, joy, peace, are evidences that the Holy Spirit is living within you. When you say something you shouldn't say, and you feel, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You say, hey, I'm really sorry. That was the Holy Spirit. When you have a bad attitude, like, oh, I should change that attitude. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. When you cut someone off and feel really bad about kind of a funny story, I was going to a pastor's conference this last week, and as I was driving down the road, and I was driving perfectly, by the way, as I was driving down the road, uh, there was a van pulls up next to me and sh- this lady, like for some reason, had to get over in front of me right then. And so she put her blinker on and she just came right in and I went honk honk and I sped up. I'm kidding. The Holy Spirit told me to, I promise. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. I uh, didn't let the person in. I was a terrible person. The Lord forgave me already. So you don't have to judge me. But I sped up, honked my horn and she pulls up next to me and she just looked at me and gave me the, she didn't give me the finger. She gave me the fist. She went, she yelled at me. And what I realized was it was another pastor's wife at the conference. <laughs> so we were both mad at each other. I was like, I was like, whatever. Like, oh, bye. <laughs> so we were like convicted by the Holy Spirit and had to ask uh, each other to forgive one another. It was hilarious. <laughs> Activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. <laughs> so now let's see how, uh, by now we say, okay, so the Holy Spirit lives within us. And, uh, and I, you can find all sorts of scriptures that would prove that reality that the Holy Spirit lives within us when you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But now let's talk about this different uh, experience that I'm talking about. Let's start in Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one, we see that this is right before the day of Pentecost. On one occasion, while I was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, 
but wait for the gift. Now, who is he talking to? Disciples. Disciples who had walked with Jesus for almost four years. Disciples who had healed the sick and raised the dead. Disciples who had preached the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think that Peter had the Holy Spirit in him and leading him. He had, these guys were doing supernatural signs and wonders on the earth. And now he says this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But in verse eight, you will receive power. Now he defines what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, he says. And so he says, listen, you've been walking by the Spirit by seeing God move through you in supernatural ways, but now he's going to come upon you. And the way he comes upon you, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And remember what happened in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came down and what did they do? They spoke in other tongues. So this means that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, was, it, it came upon them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't something that dwells in you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that comes upon you. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, before he died, after he died, but before the Holy Spirit came, he said this in verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. He said this also in Luke chapter 24. I'm gonna send you what my father has promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed. That is the word, uh, that's that's the same word, dwell, clothed with power from on high. It comes on of you. You see the pattern. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you by baptism, he comes upon you. And what happens when he comes upon us? I'll look at the scripture in Acts chapter eight. We'll see here in Acts chapter eight, something very unique that happens in the scripture. Look what happens. Those who've been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, They were baptized, both men and women. So here we see in the scripture, Philip and the disciples went down to Samaria. They began to preach the gospel. They cast out demons. They healed the sick. Uh, They they, they caused there to be healings and miracles and signs and wonders. And it says that they believed Philip and they were saved and they were baptized. Is there any mention of tongues or the Holy Spirit yet? No. No. Here's Philip preaching the gospel, doing his thing, experiencing a move of God. But then look what happens. Just a few verses down in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had believed and accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. They're already believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Weren't they believers? They had simply been uh, baptized into the name of the Lord. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now we believe that the Holy Spirit came into their lives 
It was a part of their life when they accepted Jesus Christ. And so this says that when the apostles found out that they had accepted Jesus and the Holy Spirit was living in them, they wanted to experience this, this gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father, which is the promise of God, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be reading this today and you say, okay, Ryan, I don't see the word tongues mentioned. Now, I know that's a big argument in the scripture. Well, Ryan, the Holy Spirit, the tongues wasn't mentioned, but it's interesting. If you read through this, I took out a portion of the scripture. And let me bring it back in exactly what happened. And we'll look at the scripture again from a different vantage point in Romans chapter, or Acts chapter 8. For some time, a man named Simon had practiced, same passage of scripture, had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed at all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. And they followed him because he amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere and he was blown away by the great signs and miracles that he saw, uh, that he saw happen right in front of him. And it says in the scripture, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, They sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. So let's think about this for a minute. When Philip came, he he saw demons coming out. He saw healing and miracles. Simon gave his life to Christ. He became a believer. And at that moment, the scripture says that he was blown away at what was happening. But we don't see him offering Philip any money. Simon offered money when the apostles came and he saw the evidence of the Holy Spirit coming down upon them. When he saw them begin to speak in tongues, he said, oh my gosh, what do I need to pay? Look what he says. He offered them money. Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So in this moment, we see that in this experience that they had, when John and Peter came down and laid his hands on these people, these people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we know that they spoke in tongues. We see this again in Ananias, came to of the apostle Paul. Ananias went to the house and entered, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again, look at this, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you remember the story of Paul, Paul was on a donkey and got knocked off by a a light from heaven. And Jesus said to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And the scripture says that Paul said this, I didn't know it was you, Lord. In that moment, Paul had had an encounter with God. Paul had accepted Christ. He was blind for three days. He was there confused by his experience, but there he was in the house filled with God. The Holy Spirit had filled him, but he was there in that day and he was blind. And then I said, listen, I'm coming to pray for you so that your eyes will be healed and that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that Paul spoke in tongues because in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Sounds like an arrogant statement, doesn't it? (laughs) But we see here that Paul spoke in tongues. We see that Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 was God-fearing man. He was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. And at that time, the Holy Spirit had only poured out upon Jewish people. 
And he began in prayer time, he was giving alms to the poor and he was praying and an angel came to him in a dream. Cornelius was told to bring Peter to his house. So they went and got Peter and I won't go through all the nuances of that story, but eventually Peter was hesitant to go with them because he had a bit of a a bigotry against Gentile people. And God said, don't you dare, you need to go with them. And so he went with them and he walked into the house and he began to preach the gospel and tell them about Jesus. And look what the scripture says. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. All who were listening to the message and the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Well, how did they know this? For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. We see this is the true of the Ephesian believers. 25 years after the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 19, when all Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Everyone say believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? This means that they were believers. They had the Holy Spirit living in them, but they did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He asked them, no, they replied, we didn't even, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Look what he says. Then what baptism did you experience? Well, they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who had come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. We see all throughout scripture that the Holy Spirit's baptism is attached to speaking in tongues. You might be here today saying, okay, Ryan, I have had an experience with the Holy Spirit and I've never spoken in tongues. There's no way that that, I, that, that that baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes on me, that speaking in tongues, I've had encounters with the Holy Spirit. What about that? I say, yes, you have. Of course you've had experience with the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. He's all around you. When you come into the presence of God and we sing all hail King Jesus and you feel the presence of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's all around you. He's with you. He's guiding you. But I want to I show you today that, that the Holy Spirit, there was an encounter for you with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life is speaking in tongues. So look at Acts chapter one or Acts chapter two where the first Uh, pouring out of the Spirit happened. Look what happened in the scripture. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Was this the evidence of the Holy Spirit? No. It filled the house where they were singing. Notice it says, like a roaring mighty windstorm. So there was a sound. They heard a sound. And then it says this, then will look like flames. It looked like flames of tongues. It sounded like a sound of wind appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The, 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 the fire that happened wasn't the sign of, of the Holy Spirit's baptism. The sound of wind wasn't the sign of the Holy Spirit's baptism. Their evidence of tongues was the sign of them speaking or being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah ran to the mountain of God. And he says, oh, show me your glory. And God take him and put him in the cleft of a rock. And it says the glory of God went by. And it says that day a, a windstorm came. And a firestorm came and an earthquake came. And the scripture says, God was not in those things. It showed the mighty power of God, but God wasn't in that. He was in a still, small 
whisper. Isn't it fascinating that those two accounts where there are signs, the mightiness of God, but the evidence of God's presence was with the mouth. See, you and I today are here, and I know there are many here today in this place that have a hard time understanding this idea of tongues. I know I sure do, even still. But it's the pattern of God all throughout Scripture that when you are full of divine love, you show divine love. That when you have thoughts in your heart, we tend to express them with our mouth. And the utterance of the gifts are highlighted in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see them in action in your life. Repentance is expressed through water baptism. There's an external sign. The receiving of the Holy Spirit upon you is manifested by speaking in tongues. And here's the issue you and I face. We have a hard time accepting the supernatural things we don't understand. If I can't understand it, if I can't wrap my brain around it, I'm just going to disregard it as not for me. If it doesn't make sense to me and it feels a little bit weird or feels a little bit awkward or that was the one part of Scripture I wish I could take a big whiteout band and just put it right through it because I just don't understand. I believe in everything else in Scripture. I believe everything else is for today. But this is one area where I just struggle to wrap my brain around it. I want you to know today that it requires some faith in God to believe that even though you don't understand how God created the heavens and the earth, even though you don't understand how Jesus Christ rose on the third day, even though you don't understand how God can raise the dead and heal the sick, he still does it. And I bet you I could go around the room today and talk to those of you in the room who've experienced a healing in your life. I don't know if you knew this, but you know that I was in grade six, I had 46 warts on my hands. My hands were covered in warts. And I went to an outdoor school and they laid their hands and prayed and I watched those warts disappear from my hand. In fact, I have one wart right here as a reminder for the faithfulness of God because I was never going to get married if I had warts on my hands. Just kidding. If you have warts on your hands, you're going to get married. I just realized when I said that what it would imply. <laughs> it was just, it was a joke though. You can laugh. It's all right. You okay? All right. How about if you went around the room? You say, hey, there's a time in my life where God provided supernaturally didn't make any sense. There's a time when I saw cancer healed and bodies restored and I saw marriages made new and I saw people's hearts transformed and I saw bodies made new. All of these things that I just like can't wrap my brain around. I don't understand how when I look, uh, when I go on a hike or I look at the ocean, I cannot wrap my brain around the creation of God. I don't understand it, yet I still believe it. There's something, and the reason I believe that it's, we struggle to understand this idea of tongues, and I believe this, is because I believe that the enemy of our souls who is out to steal, kill, and destroy wants to keep his, God's people from experiencing the outpouring of his spirit, the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues because by tongues is which you and I can wage warfare against the works of the evil one. Through tongues, you say, Ryan, I'm so tired in the area of ministry. I'm telling you, when I'm tired, I begin to speak, speak in my spiritual language and I don't even know what I'm saying, but I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking through me and it edifies my spirit and encourages me like no song can, like no, like no, no encouragement can, like my wife can. Nothing can encourage me like me beginning to speak in my supernatural language. It encourages and edifies my soul. 
Speaking in tongues gives us the power, the Bible says, to witness. The power for ministry. We can pray according to God's will. It helps us in our time of worship, in our time of prayer. When you don't know how to pray, or you come into a time of worship, and you say, I'm just feeling heavy. You just lift your hands, you're going to speak and sing in your spiritual language, and the Holy Spirit begins to move around you and move in your midst. There is something supernatural that I don't understand that God does in your life and through your life when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues. And I struggle to stand up here today because I know there's some of you in this room, online or in this room, who look at me thinking, man, that guy's nuts. I didn't think we were a crazy church. Or maybe some of you today saying, Ryan, I don't understand it either. I know, I am nervous to preach this to you because I cannot fully understand it, but this is what I know from my personal experience. When I speak in my spiritual language, I can fight off temptation from sin. When I speak in my spiritual language, I, well, my wife and I are in a brutal fight where all I want to do is leave. I begin to speak in my spiritual language and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me. And most of the time he says, Ryan, you're wrong. You need to repent. And I hate when that happens, but I do it anyways. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps me direct my life when I begin to speak in my spiritual language, when I'm standing up to preach in front of you and I feel guilt, I feel discouraged and I feel broken and I feel lost. Right back here just now, I was speaking in tongues, asking the Holy Spirit to help me because I feel weak and I feel discouraged and anxious today. The Holy Spirit, it's a gift for you. It's a promise for you that he has. And he, God knows this language has been attacked in the world today by humanistic thinking and humanistic ideologies and a work of the evil one to keep you and I from something that can transform our lives because we're too worried about what other people will think about us. There is something supernatural. Now I'm going to teach you in the next couple of weeks how I do not think that it's biblical or orderly for you to get up in church and start speaking in tongues. That's why you've never heard me speak in tongues in this mic because I believe Paul teaches us that it's not biblical. But what is biblical is in the context of believers gathering on a Wednesday night or in our small group or in our, my own home. When I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I begin to speak in my spiritual language. You want to know why? Because I don't feel like getting up and I don't feel like talking to you or my wife or my kids. I don't feel like going to work. Or I don't feel like reading my word. Or I don't feel like praying or I'm feeling overwhelmed with temptation. I don't even know what else to pray. The Bible says when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit groans with utterances that you cannot explain. That is the, the tongue of God in our mouth begin to speak out loud. Something supernatural transform, uh, transforms the atmosphere. This is for you. And this is for your children. In Acts chapter two, when Peter said this prayer, they said, what do we do? I feel cut to the heart. I feel convicted in this moment that I just want God. I want all that he has for me. He says, repent and be baptized. You know what that word repent means? Turn from your sin. If you're living in active sin right now, turn from it. I know it's hard. Trust me. I'll be the first one to stand up to an altar call and identify the struggle in habitual sin. I had it in my life. But I recognized when I finally was willing to say no in my life, I was able to say, Jesus, I repent. I'm gonna turn from my sin. My heart is to turn towards you. The Bible says to be water baptized. That means I make a public confession of my faith. You haven't been water baptized. This is your next step. You gotta be water baptized so you can make a public confession saying, I'm gonna serve Jesus all the days of my life. I identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I am his, he is mine, and I'm gonna serve him all the days of my life. And look what the scripture says and you will receive. Notice it says the gift of the Holy Spirit. This scripture is not talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You received that when you became a believer. 
You received that when you repented. You received that when you accepted Jesus Christ in your life. There is a promise for you that I believe in today's church and in today's world, we have tried to eradicate from our reality is a supernatural tongue. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, those of you in the room today who are adults, this isn't just about you. This is about your children. This is about your generations. This is about your grandchildren. You say, Ryan, do I need to speak in tongues to protect my grandchildren? No, God is so good and so faithful that he helps us and partners with us. But God has a gift for you that will transform your life. It will help you in the areas of your weakness and your struggle. As we go on in this next series, what we're going to talk about next week is, is the, the benefits in our life of the gift of tongues. I'll teach you a little bit on what happens in the church. But right now what we're going to do is we're going to respond in worship. I want you to stand to your feet and we're going to pray. You know, the Bible teaches that Paul laid his hands on them and they received the gift of the Spirit. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter just preached and then people started to speak in tongues. Now today, I want you to know something. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit by evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to know something. You're not less than in the kingdom of God. This is a gift the Lord gives and I believe the Lord gives it through just an earnest heart to say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it. In fact, I'm a little fearful of it. I'm a little embarrassed of it, but I want it. I receive it. And this is what I believe what happened to me. I was at a youth camp and I just began to worship the Lord and I began to open my mouth. And honestly, what happened was just little syllables began to fill my mind and I just began to say them. And I applied my faith to the activity of the action, the, the prophetic action of me speaking it out loud. And at first I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. But I said, Lord, I trust you. And I just began to do it. And what happened was I just, my tongue began to loosen and I began to sense the spirit of God like I never sensed him before. If that's you today, all you have to do is just you open your mouth. I'm not gonna call you forward. We're not gonna lay our hands on you. We're just gonna worship. But during worship, you sense the Holy Spirit beginning to drop little syllables in your mind, in your mouth. It begins to fill your mouth. Just begin to speak it out loud in faith. And let's see what the Holy Spirit does in our midst, amen? Would you just place your hands in the air like this? We're gonna respond in worship today. Close our eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we uh, say yes. Holy Spirit, we say yes. We don't understand it all, Holy Spirit. We just don't. No, we know that everything in your word is true. And Lord, in our confusion, Lord, in our misunderstanding, God, would you come through right now? Would you just minister one by one. Lord, this is an individual thing that you want to do in our midst, God. So as we worship and respond in this moment, Holy Spirit, we open up ourselves to you and we say, Holy Spirit, would you baptize us in the Holy Spirit? And Lord, would you release our tongue to speak in this new language? In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.